0: Well, good morning. Oh, that was such a hearty good morning. Man, we had our chunky soup breakfast, didn't we? Hearty. Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we're just going to dive right in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can even call you Father, that you grant us access to you that only a child could have, that there are no boundaries on when or how we get to come to you. Lord, your desire is that we come to you. And so, Father, we we praise you for that. We praise you for Christ even making a way for us to come to you in your great love, sacrificing your one and only Son. Lord, we thank you for the grace of belief in you. And, Father, we pray that this time specifically would be a time of celebrating you, who you are, the access that we have to you, and that it would be a time for us to grow closer to you and for some of us maybe even to understand the access we can have to you. Lord, it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 2. Only going to do like 2, 3, and 4 today. So buckle up. I've gone over every time. (laughs) So uh, you're getting all the notes. I'm not skimming anything. I've cut one joke because it was horrible. Um, It got the, the exact opposite reaction I was hoping I would get. So it's not going in. If you want to know what it was, too bad. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, but you want to follow along like hard copy, in the bottom of the seat in front of you, you can pull out one of those Bibles. It's on page 985. Make it, make it quick and easy. If you have the church app, you can use that. If there's somebody beside you who has the Bible open already, and you're like, I'm not bending down, and I'm not pulling out my phone, you can just follow along with them. I'm sure they won't mind. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be talking about a subject that's very near and dear to my heart because I've seen um, just what happens when people pray. We're going to be talking about prayer today. And a lot of us have a different idea of, well, what is prayer? What does prayer look like? How do we pray? Why do we pray? What's the point of it? And so what I did was, in my excitement, I asked my Catholic friend, who's a Catholic seminarian, so he's studying to be a priest, three questions. I asked those same three questions to a friend of mine who's orthodox, and then I asked those same three questions to two of my friends who are Anglicans, and then I asked those questions to one of my friends who's a new age, like, spiritualist, and immediately threw out his answers. (laughs) Uh, They just... (laughs) You know, we're only here for a certain amount of time, so I want to give you helpful stuff. (laughs) Stuff that, I don't know, makes sense. So anyway, if you're watching, (laughs) um, he's not, but anyway, so I've asked them, I said, hey, can I ask you three questions regarding prayer as simple questions? And all of them said, yes. And they all gave the caveat, please don't cite me as the authoritative source on my (laughs) tradition's view of prayer. I said, don't worry, Kyle, Mike, Ann, and Raph, it's totally anonymous, (laughs) like you'll be fine. And um, so they all gave answers, and every single one of them, th- they, these are people who have a deep faith. These are people who live out their Christianity on a daily timely measure. And so when you ask them these three questions, what is prayer? Simple question? Not a simple answer. And so all, all of them immediately came back with, "I thought you said simple questions." And I said, "No, no, no, the questions are simple, but the answers aren't. So what is prayer then? Why do we pray? And then the the final question, how do we pray slash what does it look like? Because remember, we have our ideas, and then the Orthodox have their ideas, the Catholic have their ideas, Anglicans have their ideas. And so I just wanted to kind of get all the different flavors so we can see that there are a bunch of different perspectives on it so that we can all be overwhelmed. And then we'll just narrow it down to what the text says, and we're going to go, all right? So the first one, my Catholic friend, Raph, he, uh, when I asked him, I said, hey, what is prayer? He says, simply put, it's a raising of the heart and mind to God. So it's this, this uh, idea of we're like Colossians 3, right? Therefore, since you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on the things that are above where Christ is. So he's, he's got this idea of it's going beyond just what's around me. So I'm raising my heart, the core of who I am in my mind, my, my thoughts, to God. I thought that was good. Uh, my Anglican friends, one of my friends, Kyle, uh, he, he was very quick to point out this. He's, he can define it in one word. What is prayer? Worship. Because prayer is engaging or interacting with God through Christ. And so when we do that, if you encounter God, if you engage him, that act is worship when we encounter and engage his truth. So he says it's more than just words. Right? Like Paul tells us, pray without ceasing. We should be living lives of prayer. He says, limiting it just to words drastically diminishes one's ability to live a life of prayer. So he's quick to point out, don't just limit it to words, right? Sometimes at the very base definition of prayer, we can say, prayer is talking to God. Right? When somebody comes to you and you say, oh, we should, you should pray about this or pray, um, like the, the first step into living a life characterized by the gospel, branded by Jesus, is prayer. We, we, we pray a prayer to step into this communion, this, this relationship with God. And people sometimes say, well, I don't know how to pray. And at the very base, we just tell people, prayer is talking with God. And so at the very base, it can be that. But Kyle is, is quick to point out, like, there, it goes deeper. Than that that prayer is the first step on a long journey. So he says that my other Anglican friend, um, who's very intelligent, I think the conversation with him goes deep and stays deep for a very long time. His, his, his response to this was prayer is intentionally turning one's heart to God in worship, in conversation with him, to present your requests and thank him for how he works in your life in both good times and bad Right? like sometimes we think of prayer as a starting point or we think of prayer as a as a life preserver like we only use it at the very beginning of something or we use it in case of emergency like it's like you're you're the the little knee pillow for your prayer closet is like behind glass break in case of emergency right like we have that kind of, and he's quick to point out we pray in the good and in the bad time too and and he's i like that he says intentionally like we don't accidentally without looking where we're going walk down the street or through a yard and accidentally step in prayer like prayer is something we're intentional about we in engage. It's on purpose. It's not by accident. You don't trip and fall into prayer. You might trip and fall and pray, but it's different. So, um, and then my, my Orthodox friend, she is, she is so cool in her response. She says, prayer is simply our understanding that we can do nothing without Christ. She says, prayer is cleansing of our souls. It's offering healing for ourselves and others. It's an act of redemption. And I love this. It's acknowledging God's presence in our lives. I texted her back because she said something like, "Oh, I'm gonna. This is this is not gonna be good. Like, please. Like, if you want a good source, talk to my priest." Da da And I said, "Hey, look, you might not be the expert, but you get it." Like, right. and then beyond all this, for for our text today, I kind of want to frame it here too. Um, prayer is warfare. Prayer is an outright act of force against the enemy. I'll explain that more later, but just. Take that, jot that down. So then the question, uh, why do we pray? I'll sum it up with Kyle's answer. He's very succinct to the point. Uh, prayer is, why do we pray? We pray because of and for communion with God. So basically what he's saying is, we pray because we've experienced God. Based, like Out of our experience with God comes this relationship that we have with him. And it's because of that relationship, this communion, that we can pray to him, but it's, bef- it's because of our desire for deeper, more meaningful, more long-lasting communion and fellowship with him that we continue in prayer. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Thank you, Mikey. So we're going to move on. <laughs> uh, so then the, the third, how do we pray slash what does it look like? And we got all different, I got all different sorts of answers um, with... Uh, the Anglican friends kind of being cheeky and like, oh, it involves icons and just trying to be funny and poke me. I think it's artistic, so you can enjoy art and enjoying something God has done for you or being inspired by saints of the past can be a form of worship because it pushes you deeper into God's knowledge of God and, and, and love for Him. And so then that can be an inspiration to prayer. I don't think you pray to an icon, just putting that out there. Um, if, you, if you disagree with me, we'll talk, not right now. Um, then the, the Catholic, uh, you know, he, he gave me, like, four different, oh, it looks like this. There are four different types of prayer we have. Um, praise and worship, we have uh, supplication or request. We have prayer for healing. And so he was able to, like, kind of, it looks like this. And then in our, in our stuff, we do this. And then um, my, my Orthodox friend, actually, hold on, I got a text message. I didn't. I'm on airplane mode. That's a joke. Um, I just have it on notes. In my phone, my my Orthodox friend, for uh, she she pointed out like, oh, this is what my individual prayer looks like, and then this is what uh, our communion prayer, like what our what our church group prayer looks like. And I really really enjoyed what she said. She says at church, I can't even describe all that goes on. Everything we do means so much in our service. She's talking about liturgy, the work of the saints in the service on Sunday morning. Sunday service is a complete surrender of ourselves to God. And the liturgy contains all-encompassing prayer. In the liturgy, prayer is ever-present. If you have a copy of the liturgy, that can cover what we pray, for which God includes God's or which includes God's mercy, forgiveness, peace, love, uh, basically the world broken down. And then to represent that and to, to display that, there is candles, incense, icons, an altar, and so much more. I thought that was really, really deep, really well-worded. And so we have all these different perspectives. Like, we have the, we've run the gamut, right, from... Uh, like Orthodox and Catholic high church to the Anglicans. And the, I asked a new age guy and then, and, but right in the middle, what we're going to get to today, what we're going to talk about today is what matters. Because the reason I even ask these people is because they all have nuggets or they, they all have things of truth, right? Eat the meat, spit out the bones. And so we take, take the good things from all these traditions, but they all, any form of good in any of these traditions flows out of Scripture. Close out of God's holy, spirit-written, inspired, inerrant, perfect word of God. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to stop giving you this theological lecture on the traditional view of prayer, and we're just going to get into the scripture. I hope that's okay. So we, we've got all this, and we're going to break this down into two sections. And we're just going to read two through four together so we get the big picture and see what the context is, and then, then we'll break it down. He says, Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So we have, we're going to pull principles and truths out of the text today, and I'm, I'm going to do this in two different uh, categories. The first one is going to be how to pray, and then the second one is what to pray. And the reason it says what to pray is I'm not going to give you like, words to pray, right? When we, we think of uh, the disciples and, and Jesus, and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray, and then we have what we call the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? And if you're Catholic, you just automatically just fell into that, um, But what we have is that's, I don't call that the Lord's Prayer. I call John chapter 17, the Lord's Prayer. When I think of that text, I think of, I call it the Lord's Model Prayer. Pray in this way. So he gives you characteristics and themes with which you should pray when you pray. And so um, today we're going to break it down into how to pray. And then I'm saying what to pray only because I don't like ending thoughts or sentences with a preposition. And so basically think what to pray Four, Just don't say it out loud because it sends shivers down my spine. I know, I know. We're using the preposition adverbally, so technically, grammatically, it's correct, but it still looks and feels bad, okay? None of you care. Okay, so the first, the first thing, how to pray. Characteristics Paul gives us in this text on how we, as believers, should pray. He says, right, continue steadfastly in prayer. So the first way we pray, and some of you are filling out the blank already, but I've changed it. So if you're one of those OCD people who have to put in the right word in the blank, (laughs) right? So he says, continue in prayer steadfastly. So how do we pray? We pray persistently. Yeah. So I hope you wrote it in pen. So we pray persistently. The the imagery here is um, of somebody possessing a spirit or an attitude of fervor. The the New American Standard translates this as devote yourself or yourselves to prayer. Be devoted to prayer. Continue steadfastly. I think of the the story of the widow looking for her missing missing mite, and she's like tearing the house apart, and she's not going to stop until she finds it. You think of the shepherd with the lost sheep. He leaves the 99 because he's persistently in search of that one. He wants to find it. So we pray persistently. There's this fervor. There's this... uh, Attitude of I'm not leaving this. So, we also have this imagery of a long period of time, right? Devotion, be devoted, continue steadfastly. Hold tight to this, don't let go. You're in it for the long haul. It's not continue to pray temporarily, it's not pray momentarily. It's not pray culinarily for over your food. It's pray steadfastly. Continue, be steadfast, be immovable in your fervor and your passion for prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I would just like to say this no movement of God occurs apart from prayer. Prayer is the fuel God has chosen to use for his movement. You will not even in history see a movement of God without a people whose hearts are broken for the things of God. You even see it from the very beginning of the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Thousands have been struck to the heart with the news of the gospel. They've repented, they've been baptized, and it says, and they continued, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. These people were devoted. They were in it for the long haul, come what may, to these things, the breaking of bread and to the prayers prayers and God continued in their devotion and prayer and, and the way they were living their lives characterized by that to add to their number. I, uh, when I was in sixth grade, my dad, who's a pastor, left a church where he had been pastor for a long time and that church was absolutely toxic. Um, you know the church that has that reputation? That church was that church. Like, the longest pastor they'd ever had was my dad. He was there for 12 years. And before him, the longest pastor they'd ever had was like 18 months. And the church wasn't 18 months old before it got my dad. The church was 55 years old before it got my dad. So the church had the reputation of being just toxic. The business meetings were epic. (laughs) Just insane. You thought this last election was bitter? (laughs) Whoa. So we have all of that. We have all that. So we, we, uh, my dad leaves the church, and he's going to move along, and, he's, and we go to the beach to, um, to kind of recover, recoup, and then move on prayerfully. And while we're gone, the church splits. And ha- some of the church said, we're tired of being known as that church. We're tired of being a church defined more by our business meetings than by our prayer meetings. We're tired of being a church known for disunity, discord, disharmony, and all the other bad disses. And so they, they split off, and they, they left that church, and they broke into our house and started having prayer meetings in our house while we were gone. Can you imagine if someone had called the cops about a breaking and entering? And the cops show up to investigate, and it's just a bunch of people like on their knees, crying out for the mercy of God in this house. I would have loved to have seen a newspaper article written about that. <laughs> cops befuddled by broken believers. I don't. Uh, I don't know. That just came to me, spirit inspired. No, but so. But I remember after that, my dad. They. They. It was a total backwards. Like usually, a church planter plants with the core team, and then people come. And this was like a church just. Happened and then they asked my dad if he'd be the pastor and so he became the pastor and I remember the early stages of this church as it was as it was being planted and 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 sending out roots and just becoming a congregation of of people set on on reaching their community walking in after music practice or sports or whatever and just seeing the living room packed with people on their knees crying out to God praying with a fervor. And seeing the things that happened in that church in those days when those people realized and understood their absolute dependence on God if there was going to be a church in that area. Amen. So we pray persistently. We, we pray with a steadfast devotion in our lives to God and the things that God wants to do with us for a long period of time. We also pray strategically. You'll notice Paul in his letter doesn't say, pray however you see fit. Continue steadfastly in whatever you feel like praying about. Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, and pray that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. We pray strategically. We're not haphazard. The imagery here is, um, is uh, uh, we're praying and we're focused. We know what we're praying for. We know what we're praying about, and we're specific in what we bring to God. We're praying for all these different things, and sometimes I think we kind of just do like this smattering of prayers, like, uh, yeah, God, just do all of this, right? And we just kind of throw it all at him. and We just kind of, and then we wonder, like, why isn't God working? Why isn't he moving today? And it's because we don't have like a long-range plan. We, we're not praying focused prayers on what God would have us pray. We're not praying strategic, specific prayers. We're just saying, God, move. And like if you said to me, hey, Tim, move, that's what you're getting first, right? If you want me to move for a specific reason, you say, Tim, move to your right. That makes sense. And so we don't pray these specific these these focused prayers when we pray to God, we just kind of pray to God, and and we just like for instance, if you want a long range effect when you're hunting, you don't use a shotgun. The shotgun goes pooh, right? You use a rifle, and if you're going to use a rifle for a long range, I can't do it anymore because you can see why I can't use open sights anymore. I can't just use iron sights. You have to use a scope so that you can be focused. And you can be specific, and you can be strategic when you're going to make your shot. When you're praying, if you want to have a long-range effect, if you want to have an effectiveness for longer than just right here and now, you want to have a strategic prayer life. You want to have specific things for which you're praying. You want to be focused in how you pray. that's how you achieve a long-range effectiveness in our prayer. Here Paul is telling us, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word. Pray for these opportunities to declare the mystery of Christ. He's giving them specific, focusing things to pray upon. And then he also says this, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So if we're going to pray, and we're going to be strategic, and we're in it for the long haul, we need to pray attentively. We need to pay attention when we pray. Right? Sometimes I think, uh, we, we have a tendency not to. like th- What this is saying is be aware when you pray. Be watchful when you pray. Watch for God's will as you read Scripture and how you should pray and what you should pray for. Be watchful for God's voice as he speaks to you through the, the Scriptures and, and through your Christian community. Be uh, attentive to God's answers to your prayers. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. If you're paying attention, if you're watchful in your prayers, you'll see God's responses, and God's answers to prayer are always the best answers to prayer and should always move us to this rejoicing and this, this thanksgiving to him when we pay attention to how we pray. Sometimes uh, we fail to pray attention and that, like, uh, when we pray, we just have a million different things. And so we start with like, God, would you please, uh, would you please bless my day tomorrow, Lord? I've got a big work day, and and then oh, that's right, I have to get up early because Josiah has to be at daycare at 6:45, not 7 tomorrow. So then I have to get him to daycare, so that means I have to get up at 5 because he's gonna be up at 5:30, and I, I gotta have my coffee. God, God help us. So I gotta drink my coffee. And then I gotta I gotta do what coffee makes you do, and then I gotta uh, go to get him and wake him up, and and then oh yeah, I gotta get my oil change after work tomorrow. So I'm gonna have to. Do you see what I just did? Like I started in a prayer, but I clearly wasn't paying attention. And all of heaven is crying out, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know whose attention you have? Can you not pay attention to him? Like your measly, piddly little life of oil changes is more important than communion with God? Or we do the other end of it, right? Like uh, like we just fall asleep at the wheel while we're praying. Like, right, real Christians don't count sheep. They pray themselves to sleep, (laughs) right? Like, that's a thing. Like, we go to bed and we pray at the end of the day because nothing helps us fall asleep better. And it's like, God, uh, thank you so much for that delicious cup of coffee this morning. Coconut coffee, cold brew from Trader Joe's? Who would have thought, oh, gosh, that was delicious. For that talk I had, that discussion I had with my... (gasps) Right, like, we have this, and we're not the only ones. In Matthew 26, we see this happen to the disciples, right? Jesus, back in the Garden of Gethsemane, with what Roger brings so well to life for our community today, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he leaves some disciples here to pray, and then he brings some more along with them, and, and he, he leaves them here to pray, and then he goes off even like a little bit further, so that he can commune with his Father, the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, about this incredible plan that they have for the redemption of mankind. And he's praying, and he's in this, And then he comes back a little bit later and they are out. Like they are asleep, right? They ate bread, they drank Welch's grape juice, and they hiked, they sang a song. They're smoked, man. They're tired, right? Like, so they're out. And he's like, you couldn't hang on for an hour. Like, you couldn't pray for an hour. And he says this, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Be on guard and commune with your father so that as you're looking out for these things and you're communing with him, you won't fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? And we have this tendency to kind of get on the disciples every time they make a mistake. And the reality is these disciples had no clue how big something was coming that God was about. They had no clue the gravity of the situation they were in. They had no idea they were going to make it into a book, right? <laughs> Let alone a feature film. The book's better, by the way. But they, they, have, they had no idea. And sometimes, guys, when we're praying, we're just going through the motions. Right? Like when we do our devotion, our communion with God, we do it in the morning because that's when it's most quiet and easiest. And we're just going through the motions, reading the Bible, not disturbing him, hoping he doesn't disturb us. And we have no clue about the gravity of the situation and the thing that God wants to do in and through us. Because we're asleep at the wheel. We're not paying attention. So as we pray, if we want to pray attentively, this, the imagery that we're getting here from this text of Paul is like a hunter in the woods. He's quiet. He's attentive. He's on guard. He's looking. It's like a soldier on patrol. You don't see soldiers on patrol on their phones. I'm not talking about like on base down at Coronado. I'm talking about like the guys deployed in battle. You don't see them like on FaceTime as they're out on patrol. You see them loaded for bear, ready for combat, on guard, paying attention, and they're there, and they want to be there for the long haul. That's what Paul is calling us to In this prayer. But how can we how can we have this intense fervor, this long-range effectiveness of plan, strategic focused ideology with attention for a long time? It's through a constant, daily, momentous, life-changing communion with God and His Spirit engaging God, being reawoken to the truth of who he is and what he's done for us and what he wants to do through us, what he's called us out of and what he's called us to that continually gives us this. We get this through our communion in the spirit, so we should pray spiritually. Now, this is where the joke didn't land last night. So just imagine something really funny and slightly edgy there, right? Thank you. (laughs) But what happens is, we as Christians have a tendency to lose sight of the heavenly things. Right? Paul tells us, like I said earlier, at the beginning of Colossians, set your mind on the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Not on the things below on earth, but on things where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, who is your life. And in Second Corinthians, we learn that uh, because of the, the love of Christ so greatly compels us that we no longer see people according to the flesh, and yet we have such a tendency in this broken world as being redeemed people to just fall back into seeing things according to Republican or Democrat, imagine the joke right there, or, or uh, poor or wealthy, red and yellow, black and white. We just have all these different ways, and and even we as Christians have this tendency to fall into that. And yet, Paul, in the Spirit, God Himself calls us to something higher than that. And if it's not going to happen in your prayer life, it's not going to happen in your public life. If you're not connected in prayer with God by His Spirit, there's no way you're going to be able to be living out a Christian lifestyle for the long range with a fervent prayer life committed to Christ. So, we're called to pray spiritually. This simply is based on what Paul is calling us through the scripture to pray for, opportunities to share God, declare the mystery that is Christ, on account of which Paul is in prison, to make it clear which is how we ought to speak. And it's in a parallel passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul has just gone through putting on the armor of God. And we don't, in, in the Old Testament, when David goes to fight Goliath, Saul tries to put his armor on David, right? But the armor doesn't fit, right? Right? The whole purpose of that episode is because the Philistines were calling out the champion. They sent their champion, Goliath, and said, send us your champion. We'll do the battle. Significantly less bloodshed on the battlefield. And then whoever wins, the other army has to serve that people. Do you know who the champion of Israel was at that point? It was Saul. And so Saul, in trying to fit his armor to David, was saying, hey, go out as me. And fight for me. But then, in in the armor of God, God is putting his armor on us. We're taking his armor, not so that we can fight for him, but because he will fight for us. And it's in that connection that the the sword of the Spirit being in his armor, walking and representing him, doing battle for him, it says this praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Do you see the parallels here? And this all flows out of our understanding of and the communion with the Spirit, praying at all times in the Spirit. So we should be attentive to the Spirit as he speaks to us through his scriptures. We We should be trusting him to intercede on our behalf, to say the things that our soul feels but our mind can't comprehend as we commune with God. We should, we should be looking to him at, for our prompting. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Being led by him as we understand him through the scripture to pray. Trusting him. The best, uh, the best um, explanation I can give you of this is when I was on staff at a church here in Corona, we were a church in the circle um, in Grand Boulevard, and for two miles out away from our church, ninety-six something percent of that immediate population was primarily Spanish-speaking. We had one dude in our whole church who spoke Spanish, right? And so they're all primarily Spanish-speaking, first or second generation um, from Mexico, and younger families trying to be established. The running joke in our in our congregation was that the average age was eighty. And it was a joke because the average age was higher than 80. Yes. And we were, we were white. Not just the building, but like the people inside of it were white. And, uh, and so us being able to reach them, there was no way we could do that in ourselves. And so we started having these prayer meetings where we would get together and we would just pour out our hearts to God, confess our sin, and then ask him. And, and, and one of the prayer meetings, we did this random thing where the week before the staff, we all went through different rooms and stuff, and... Um, we just were, like, asking God, reading Scripture, like, how should we pray in this room? Like, this is so weird. I'm praying for an inanimate object. Like, what am I, what am I doing? How should I pray? But we're listening to the Spirit, and we, we were, like, one guy, like, we, so then we have these prayer prompts. The groups go through. We've got this beautiful lawn out front, and we're praying, God, would you fill this lawn with children playing games in a safe, caring environment where they can hear and be exposed to the gospel of your, of your son? And in the in the sanctuary, we're praying. God, would you would you bring families to you? Would they come to know you? Because we understood God's kingdom wasn't done there. Whether our congregation eventually was or not, God had a stronghold here, and He wanted to reach the people around us. So we we acquiesced our designs to His design, and we started praying. It's just random. Like, remember I said everybody was like over eighty? Yeah. Like kids? No, they're kids we old enough to have me as a kid, like so. This is, but that next Sunday, somehow, people in the neighborhood decided they wanted to come see what we were about. We had multiple, several different families come on to the point that our front lawn was covered in kids playing tag and games. Who then got to go and experience our Sunday school program and hear the explicit gospel of Christ shared with them. We freaked out in adult church because. One dude spoke Spanish, and we had multiple families in the sanctuary who didn't speak English. And so he comes up, and the the sermon, the message is translated. Six people came to Christ that day because we prayed random prayers that we thought the Spirit of God would have us pray. Those six people then started, um, like, meetings in their houses eventually through discipleship, where then the whole cul-de-sac or neighborhood would come to the house, eat a meal, because we're son of Baptist, we don't eat, we don't meet. and then they would hear the good news, and, and then from those, that we had like four, then from those four, then those whole neighborhoods are involved. Then suddenly we have stuff going on in home gardens now, in, in home Bible studies. And then last I checked, because I, I completely let go and let it go, we've got stuff, they have, they have stuff in all over Corona and house churches, into Riverside, and now into Santa Ana. Because some old white people decided to listen to the Spirit of God. If we can do it, so can You! Because this church was devoted to hearing and responding to the Spirit of God, being prompted by Him, trusting Him in what He was asking us to pray, continue steadfastly in prayer, holding tightly, not giving up, paying attention, being strategic, listening and looking, and being thankful for the will of God in our lives. I have five minutes left. Okay, we're halfway through. We're going to get through here. Okay, so (laughs) what to pray? What to pray? Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Come on. What to pray? So, now, again, I'm not going to give you, like, explicit, this is how you pray, step one, step two, step three. I'm going to give you themes from the text, right? So Paul tells us how to pray, and then in, in verse three, he says, at the same time, pray also for us. So when we pray, please, guys, yeah, pray for your leaders. I, I come across as funny. I'm kind of sarcastic. A lot of times what I say doesn't make sense to you, and that's fine, because in here, it sounded great. Um, but hear me out, please. This is a plea. If you're not praying for your church leaders, start. They need, deserve, and desire your prayers. And speaking as a pastor's kid, um, I can just tell you, we have to see behind the curtain. We don't have a choice. And so please, cover the family in prayer. Because everything that the pastor has to go through here and deal with here, whether they try to or not, the family knows and hears about. And one of the greatest hindrances to a a pastor's kid living out a life of determined, fervent faith is what we have to see behind the scenes. So please, pray for the leaders. Second we have here, being a priesthood of believers, trusting that um, God has called us to the same things. Paul is cool because he wrote letters, but ultimately we have the same call in our lives that Paul did on his life, to make Christ known. So we, we pray for our leaders, and then this is another prayer. We pray for opportunities. He says this, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. So we want to pray for opportunities, that God may open a door. Now, I'm a firm believer. If you pray for an opportunity, guess what God's going to give you? An opportunity. You guys are tracking. Very good. So when we pray for opportunities, don't be surprised if you get an opportunity. But if you're going to pray for that, this you should also pray for as well. Pray for boldness to take the opportunity. It's one thing to pray for an opportunity, but it's another to take the opportunity. Don't live a life that's filled with regret because you didn't fully serve God the way you knew you should. When you pray for opportunities, take the opportunities. He says, pray for us that God will open a door for us to declare the mystery, and then for boldness, on account of which I'm in prison. If you want to see Paul's boldness for the gospel, look up uh, Acts 26. Let's write down, I don't have it on the screen. Acts 26 uh, the chapter, trust me, it's amazing, and that's that's like basically he says. Apart from these chains, I wish you could be in my place, to the king. This boldness, so this boldness to step in, and then if you're going to pray for the opportunities and you're going to pray for the boldness, I think that this is oftentimes the reason people aren't bold enough. Pray for clarity. I have lots of education in theology and on Monday I was sharing the gospel uh, with, a, with someone and even in my head still to this day, I am racing through everything trying to make sure I'm communicating the gospel clearly. Now, for some of you who maybe say, that's great, I took a class here um, and I'm great in the classroom, but the second I'm out, everything leaves my mind. I can't remember how to do that, right? There's an app for that. The Live Conversation Guide. It's a free app. It's, it's available for you. I used to call this the Three Circles app, but that's like a dieting and, and exercise app, so don't download that. But um, uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time. So we have our Live Conversation Guide. This helps you, notice their wording, as you have conversations with people about Jesus, not if you have conversations with people about Jesus. It goes through. God's design, sin enters from the sin. Then we have brokenness in the world. All the squigglies you can use, like if you know the person which you should, yeah, like your crazy ant, that's brokenness in this world. That's flies and ants, result of sin and brokenness in the world. All of this kind of stuff. Okay, I'm broken, I get that. How, how can I be made right? How can this relationship be fixed? Repent and believe in the gospel. And then you can see here it explains like, well, what is sin? And then it has prompts for here are the points of the gospel, all this kind of stuff. Once you commit and you believe in the gospel, you've turned from your old life, the brokenness, you begin to this, live this life that's bent on recovering and pursuing God's original design. It's It's a fantastic app, it gives you prompts, what should I do now, now that you've heard the good news, all this kind of stuff. It's there and available for you. Life Conversation Guide, it's in your outline, helping you as you have conversations with people about Jesus. Ultimately, I want to hit this home for us. Prayer, among all things, is privilege. It is an immense privilege granted by God in his good news and in his grace toward us that we can have the access to childhood to the king. If you have a relationship with God, you have this access. And I want us to understand this. If you don't have a relationship with God, you can have this access. If you understand your brokenness and, and you've been separated from God and God is calling you back to himself because he loves you so passionately, he gave his son to die. He lived a perfect life, was undeserving, but lived the perfect life and died the gruesome death on our behalf because we couldn't do it. And then was raised three days later by the same spirit who leads you in prayer. In victory over your sin, your brokenness, and your death that you deserve. And if you turn from the life you're living now, defined by you and your passions and your desires, and turn to and step into through a simple act of saying, God, help me. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And step from, I know I've done wrong, into I want to do your will. I want you to not just be somebody who saves me, but somebody who leads me. When you step into that, you step into this intimacy that you get to have with Christ, with God. And then you you start to live this life of prayer, of of constant community and relationship with God. You start to live it out. I want us to understand this, guys. A praying church is a connected, effective church. It's connected. We're connected to God because we're constantly in communion with him. And as we pray, we connect with each other because then we start lifting each other up in these different ways and with these different needs, and we start praying for and with each other. We're connected and we're effective. We're listening to the spirit of God. What would he have us do? How would he have us reach out? To whom would he have us minister? We become effective. We become tools and soldiers who are effective, running a race with a long range mentality for effectiveness with this fervor and this passion. But I would also like to point out, a praying church is not a church you attend. A praying church you are a member of. A praying church is not something where you can just go. A praying church is made up of individuals who are passionately devoted to prayer. May we be that church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how deep and how grand is is prayer? And yet how simple and practical is prayer? Lord, that someone as awe-inspiring, as great and powerful as you would call us into a relationship with you, with 24-7 access to you in your son, Christ. So, Father, I pray that you would move within us, stir us up to be a people fervent and connected and devoted, steadfast in prayer. Lord, that we would be attentive to you and your will and that our lifestyles of prayer would become cups overflowing with your grace and the good news of what you've done.